I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's first pre-season friendly. We're going to be discussing Emil Smith-Rowe, who's just been crowned a European under-21 champion. We're going to talk Declan Rice. When can we expect an announcement with regards to his signing? The same with Yuri and Timber. We'll also be talking about the Premier League club that following Balogun is now being linked with. And of course, we'll take some of your questions and thoughts from the live chat box. Good to see so many of you with us bright and early on this Sunday morning. Hope you're all good and well and have had a good weekend so far. Uh, the final day of the weekend today. So, yeah, make the most of it. Enjoy the fact that it's not raining in London. Enjoy the fact that um, it's another day off work, hopefully, for most of you. And um, yeah, just look, the season is around the corner. It's nearly here. And I know we're all excited about it. But when it begins, the stress begins. So uh, take advantage of this period now. Put your feet up, relax and um, and enjoy the content that we're bringing you here on a daily basis. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel as well if you're brand spanking new. It really, really does help as we continue our journey uh, up towards 30,000 YouTube subscribers, uh, which we're not a million miles away from anymore. We're just over one and a half thousand subs away from that, which I think is achievable over the next few months if we keep going the way we're going. And of course, if you guys uh, help us out by hitting that subscribe button, as I say, it really, really does help. Uh, big hello to everybody listening in on the audio platforms as well. Uh, good to see uh, so many of you guys tuning into the show on a regular basis as well, even in the close season, uh, which is obviously um, amazing. You know, it's, it's amazing to hear or to see that so many people are still interested in the podcast, even when Arsenal are not in action. But they did return to action yesterday, albeit in a behind-closed-doors friendly against Watford. And we're going to come on to discuss that in just a minute. But first, I want to say a few hellos. A uh, big hello to Temi, Viju, Raphael. We've got Tom, Derek, Steve, Italian Stallion. We've got Stan, uh, Christoph. We've got uh, William Salib back with a new contract. Love that as a name. Uh, Paul James. Uh, is this ever going to start? Uh, Paul James, not happy with the delay on the live stream. I'm sorry, mate, but it's Sunday morning, man. And I'm Greek, as I keep telling you guys. I, I don't do things on time. What's on time? Um, what does that mean? Uh, big hello to Junior, Creamburn, Smart Cookie, Johan. Uh, we've got David as well. Luke is here too. Uh, we've got Valiant Thor, Hawkwind77, and plenty more of you in the live chat. But let's begin, as I say, with Arsenal's uh, pre-season Behind closed doors friendly against Watford, which took place at London Colney yesterday. Of course, Watford are Arsenal's neighbours. Their training ground is literally next door. Um, and so it makes sense that the two teams, uh, of course, uh, arrange this type of fixture. Logistically, it's just really, really easy. Watford are a, a championship side, which means they're of a, a decent level. Uh, they will, of course, relish the opportunity to play against a side like Arsenal. So I think it works for everybody. It's a great way to start your preseason for Arsenal. And it's a great way um, to start your preseason for Watford, but also for Watford to have a little look at maybe what's going on at Arsenal and and try and understand um, a little bit more about, 
you know, where they can improve and, and things that they can maybe take away from Mikel Arteta in terms of sort of styles of play, in terms of some of the individual players and the movements they make, etc., etc. Um, But yeah, Arsenal went behind in this one. Uh, they conceded a goal uh, in the first half and there was an equaliser in the second half from Marquinhos, which meant Arsenal got a 1-1 draw out of this. Now, really, really difficult to draw too many conclusions from this type of fixture. This is a game that is played predominantly for fitness. This is a game that is played in the main to get people up to speed, to give people that match sharpness and for them to be able to shake the rust off. That's what this game feels like. As pre-season goes on and as we get deeper into it, the games will become better in terms of the quality. You'd expect to give your big players more and more minutes um, and all the rest of it. But this one, you know, fitness is the priority here. That's first and foremost what Arsenal are looking for in a game like this one. Now, really difficult to kind of judge individuals on their performances because, uh, of course, we only got a very, very short highlights package uh, to go by. Nobody saw the game. It was, as I say, behind closed doors. Um, but there are a few players that I, I want to talk about. There's one in particular that I want to talk about who's obviously made the headlines because he scored the equalising goal. And the player I want to talk about is Marquinhos. But before I do that, uh, I'll bring you guys uh, up to speed with the lineup that Mikel Arteta played. So the starting eleven consisted of Arthur Okonkwo, Ben White, Gabriel, Rob Holding, Cedric, Miles Lewis-Skelly, Leandro Trossard, Reese Nelson, Mauro Bandeira, Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah. Now the substitutes included James Hilson, uh, goalkeeper, of course, Marquinhos, Mika Biereth, Amaria, Amario Cozia Dubri, Jimmy Gower, Jack Henry Francis, Alex Kirk, Brooke Norton Cuffey, who's back from being out on loan, Ethan Waneri, who recently uh, signed up as a scholar, uh, Ismail Ulad Mahand, who basically, um, or, or recently, I should say, uh, signed his first uh, pro contract with the Gunners as well, Charles Sago Jr., Lino Sosa, and Ruel Walters. So that was the rest of the players that were involved. Um, really, really interesting on Marquinhos, I think, because obviously he went out on loan um, last season, went off to Norwich City um, in the championship. And, you know, I wasn't really sure at the time that that was the right loan for him. I think that it was clear that Marquinhos needed a loan. I think it was clear that he wasn't going to get the game time at Arsenal that he needed to really sort of push on and to develop further. Um, but yeah, I, the Norwich thing was was a difficult one because for me, I always think that the Championship is a really difficult place to go on loan to. And the reason I say that is because you you go there and you will very often come across a style of football uh, that you're not necessarily accustomed to, that you're not necessarily used to. It's a lot more physical, quite a bit less technical. I'm not saying it's not technical at all. And I would argue that there are some Europe, European leagues that aren't even at the level, uh, European top flight leagues that aren't even at the level of the championship. I think there are good players there. There are good coaches there. There are big, big football clubs there. But it is a very different style of football. And I wondered how Marquinhos was going to get on at Norwich City. Now, if we're being honest it didn't really work out. Now, availability was a problem for Marquinhos. He picked up a few injury problems along the way, which obviously hampered that. He only made 11 appearances in the championship last season for Norwich City. He scored one goal and provided one assist. So he hardly pulled up any trees. But does that mean that I don't think there's a player in there? Or does that mean that we should rule him out of contention at Arsenal? And, and 
just say, well, he's not good enough. What I would say is that he could probably do with another loan, but I think Arsenal need to better select the destination that Marquinhos goes to if he is indeed going to go out on loan again. There's been some suggestions over the course of the summer that Arsenal might end up looking to sell him as well, um, which I think would be a shame because it's still really, really early on in his Arsenal career. He hasn't really had enough opportunities, in my opinion, to really make a difference. We saw glimpses of him uh, in the European competitions. Um, you know, we saw glimpses of him in, um, you know, in, in Europa League stuff where, you know, I think he looked OK. You know, not the finished article, clearly, but he looked OK. Um, he looked better than maybe I thought he would be coming in, as in he looked further down the progression line than, um, you know, maybe I thought he would have been. But then the opportunity dried up, obviously went out on loan, as I say, uh, to Norwich City, but unfortunately that didn't really work. Not to the point anyway where you could say, yeah, this was, um, you know, this was a worthwhile loan move. He, he left Arsenal in January to go out to Norwich and and he just never really got going for a number of reasons. Injuries predominantly being the one, but I, I don't think he impressed that much at Norwich to the point where, you know, he was a nailed on starter when he was available as well. So that would concern me a little bit. But yeah, I think Marquinhos for me looks like he's got plenty of raw talent. Love how energetic he is. Love how much guile he shows. Love that he's quite tricky um, and quite direct as well when he comes inside onto that left foot of his. But is he ready for Arsenal right now? Although he scored in this behind closed doors friendly against Watford, I still have serious doubts about where he is right now and whether we can um, or, or we should be holding on to him. And that brings us on to the point about sort of that right-hand side again, because I still think that is a position that Arsenal maybe aren't as strong in as they need to be or should be. And I know that Bukayo Saka holds down that position and the likelihood of him being rested if he's fit and available is really low because Mikel clearly um, rates the player so, so much and clearly sees him as one of the first names on the team sheet. He's been very reluctant to rotate him in the past. But I do wonder if that's more due to the fact that he doesn't feel he has a good enough backup option. Marquinhos, for me, at this moment in time, is not that. Now, he might be one day, he might be further down the line, but right now, as we record this podcast, he isn't that man for me. Um, so we've got to wait and see. Um, we've got to wait and see what happens there. Will Arsenal go and bring in another player? I don't think they will. I think they'll look at Havertz as someone that could play there. I think they'll look at Trossard as someone who could play there. I think they'll look at Reese Nelson as someone who could play there. Although for me, Reese Nelson is far better suited to playing on that left-hand side. But yeah, I, I don't think that sits as a priority anymore, um, that position for Arsenal. I think because of the versatility we have within the group, that might be an, an area that's overlooked. I don't think Marquinhos in his current state, and the reason I brought that up was to tie it back into the Marquinhos discussion. I don't think Marquinhos in his current state, in his at his current level, is a better way of putting it, is a better option than Trossard switching sides or Nelson switching sides. And that's where then I start to wonder, well, what future does Marquinhos have at Arsenal Football Club? I want to see him given more chances, but I've said this repeatedly over the last few months. Arsenal do need to be ruthless at times and Arsenal will need to recognise when a player just isn't up to it and move him on. I think the best thing to do right now with Marquinhos would be to send him out on loan and um and see how he gets on. Um, but I think the loan destination needs to be better. It needs to be a better fit. Um, 
maybe send him out abroad. I understand the logic behind the championship, right? Why people would pick that as a good loan destination. It's physical, like the Premier League, arguably more physical than the Premier League. It's very, very demanding, very, very taxing in terms of how many fixtures you're going to have to play. And given that Arsenal are back in the Champions League and want to compete in the cup competitions, the fixture pileup is going to be a serious issue. So again, it conditions you for that. A club like Norwich City, not the biggest club in England, but a club where there is an expectation that they'll fight towards the top of the championship. That didn't really happen last season, but it gives you that experience of playing for a big club within that environment. And I always said that I thought that William Saliba's loan move to Marseille made a real big difference because he got used to that big club mentality. And Norwich in the championship are a big club and a club uh, of whom there is great expectations. So I understand why on paper that worked, but sort of the reality is that it didn't. And that's fine. You know, you can make mistakes. People make mistakes all the time. And it's not one that I'm sitting there sort of slagging Arsenal off for or, or, or sort of being on my soapbox about. But it, just looking at the results, looking at the, the end product or looking at what I feel Marquinhos got out of that, I don't think it was a great deal. Um, so if he is going to go out on loan again, which I think is the sensible thing to do with Marquinhos, then I think you need to look um, you need to look at a better option, an option possibly abroad, because um, for me, it's just about playing football. I, I always think Brazilian players like and, and I know this is like a real general comment that I'm about to make, but I always think that Brazilian players don't often have issues with the physicality. I think they're really well built and. And and they're used to playing, maybe it was when they were growing up, a sort of rough street version of football, which I think conditions you to be able to deal with the physicality. And um, and I think, you know, that if I was looking for where Marquinhos should go next, I wouldn't be obsessed by this idea of getting him accustomed to the English physicality in the game, because I think... He's he's built well enough and um, and has the resilience to be able to handle that, I would say. But anyway, he was the one I really wanted to discuss uh, off the back of this game. Look, great, obviously, to see White, Gabriel, um, Trossard, Nelson, fresh off the back of signing that new contract, Jesus and Ketia all involved from the start. Uh, we're expecting more players uh, to return in Arsenal, are heading out to Germany shortly for some training and then a game against Nuremberg as well, which will be um, bringing you uh, of course, coverage of uh, here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. So make sure uh, you're tuned in for that. But yeah, look, it's all about fitness right now. Um, and, and that's the the key here. The next story that I wanted to talk about uh, is with regards to uh, Emil Smith-Rowe and England's under-21s, who were, of course, crowned the European champions yesterday, beating Spain in the final. Um, look, this is obviously really, really positive news for English football, because for a long, long time, English football has been looked at as, you know, really competitive at Premier League level, as having a really healthy pyramid uh, sort of below the Premier League with regards to the Football League and all the clubs involved in it, even non-league. The coverage of non-league recently has been amazing. You look at the crowds that they get, it's all brilliant. Like It's, it's really, really good to see. But one of the criticisms you could have of English football is that they've not really been able to produce a high level of young player to rival the likes of, you know, some of the big South American nations and the French and the Spanish and the Germans, et cetera, et cetera. 
But this is evidence that England, for me, are moving in the right direction. England, with their first group of under-21 European champions in just short of 40 years, having beaten Spain in that dramatic uh, nerve-shredding final in Georgia, as the BBC puts it. England won all six of their games uh, in the competition without conceding a goal, which shows you, um, you know, that they were really, really dominant and deserved winners of the competition. And there is obviously a follow on to this news, uh, which talks about which of these players are going to be on Gareth Southgate's radar. Which of these players will he look at having just seen this tournament and think, these guys can make that step up now to be regular contributors in my senior squad. And in this piece on the BBC's website, they talk about a couple of players, one of them being Emil Smith-Rowe and the other one being Levi Colwell, um, who is very, very highly thought of as well. Smith-Rowe uh, was restricted to just 15 appearances in total for Arsenal last season. He only played 240 minutes, largely due to injury. But when he did return, he found it difficult to get back into the side because of the absence, because of how long he'd been out, because of how, I think, rusty he looked at times. Um, but he is someone that is expected now to make that step up to the senior team. And I'm really, really pleased for him. And I, I want to talk about Emil Smith-Rowe here more than the England under 21s because this is an Arsenal podcast and this is predominantly what I care about. And I think for him to have endured the season that he did last year must have been really, really difficult for a number of reasons. So first of all, you're dealing with a long-term injury that is hard enough in itself. You were just at the point prior to this injury where you were seen as and regarded as one of the club's most important players, one of the, one of the players that the club were going to build around over the next few years. You were given this bumper new contract. You were given the number 10 shirt, all of the rest of it, which represents a, a, a great status at Arsenal Football Club. All of, the, all of it's going brilliantly well. All of it's going fantastically well. But then you get hit with this injury and you find yourself out in the cold. And during that time, you see Arsenal excel. You see Arsenal progress. You see Arsenal become a much better football team. And all of that is happening without you. Now, yes, you'd be chuffed for your teammates. And yes, you'd be buzzing at the fact that the club that you have chosen to commit your future to, that you've been at for a number of years, that you love, is on the up again. But there will be a part of you that gets a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, because you you worry, you would start to worry naturally that there isn't a way back for you. And I think the way Emil Smith-Rowe came back at the back end of last season and struggled to make the team and struggled to have enough of a, an impact to be able to fight for a place regularly, I think for me was adding to that. It was, you know, more cause for concern. It was something that would play on the insecurity that he was probably already feeling, looking at how Arsenal had progressed forward, looking at how now all of a sudden on that left-hand side where he'd done so well in the season prior, you now had Martinelli in top, top form. You had Reese Nelson coming off the bench and impacting games. Leandro Trossard bought in from Brighton. It must have felt like there was no way forward. He would have looked at that midfield and thought, Granite Xhaka's holding that position on the left and he's doing it brilliantly, giving us that balance between attack and defence. Odegaard is undroppable, the captain playing on the right-hand side. I'm certainly not sixth to replace Partey or Jorginho. So, you know, where am I getting back in this team? He'd have looked at 
Bukayo Saka, with whom he's great friends, and thought, look at the level he's gone up to. Look at what Jesus is giving us up top. I don't know how I get back in this team. And I think that would have given his confidence a bit of a kick and, and caused his confidence a bit of a dent. And I think it doesn't matter how confident you are. If you go through what Emil Smith-Rowe's gone through over the last nine to, to 11 months, I think you do feel it and it does impact you. And so the reason, look, those of you that know me and, and listen to this regularly and have listened to this for a long time will know that I'm not the biggest England fan, right? I don't care if England perform or not. Um, it, it, it honestly does not impact me in the slightest. I, I genuinely don't have any feeling, not bad, not good. I just, I'm not interested, uh, basically, is one way of putting it. But where I do become interested is when events can have a direct and positive impact on our players. And Emil Smith-Rowe, I think, will benefit greatly from having gone to this tournament and, and won it and come away a winner, come away with a winner's medal, because it will make him feel a purpose again. It will give him that confidence boost that I think he so desperately needs, and it will help him get back to being the player that we all know that he can be. Now, some would say, not ideal that your player is playing in the summer, et cetera, et cetera. But Smith Rowe hardly kicked the ball last season. So I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about burnout. I'm not worried about fatigue. And we now have the squad whereby we don't have to throw him straight back into the Lions. Like we don't literally have to start preseason and put Emil Smith Rowe in the first game. We don't have to start the first league game with Emil Smith Rowe in it either. He doesn't have to play in the Community Shield if we don't want him to. Now, he might be in better condition than a lot of our players having not had that break and having worked through and had uh, the tournament. Look, he'll get a short break now, but I think having experienced what he did last season and now having gone on and won the European Championships at under-21 level, I think he'll be chomping at the bit. He should be anyway to get back in. And I think he'll want to make um, an impact. And I think, as I say, although England winning it is obviously a good thing and, and great, that is a side issue for me here. The real point is that Emil Smith-Rowe will be working back towards that level of confidence that he displayed just a couple of seasons ago and will be in a much better position as a result of that to fight for a place in Mikel Arteta's side moving forward. So, um, yeah, really, really pleased for him. You could see by the pictures, you could see by the videos that were going around how much it meant to him. And I think for him, it kind of brought that hunger back. I'm not saying that he ever lost the hunger to play football, but I can imagine that if you're out for that long, and then when you come back, things aren't as you left them. They're better, but you haven't been a part of that. You can feel a little bit disconnected. And 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 I think for him to feel that sense of perf purpose again and, and go on and win a trophy the way he did. And listen, I, I watched some of the games in the under-21s and I thought on some occasions he played quite well. On other occasions, he didn't play all that well, but managed to impact the game in key moments, which I guess is what people are going to remember, right, at the end of the day. But he still will know that he's not back to his brilliant best yet. And he'll still know that he needs to um, he needs to uh, take it on to the next level um, if he's going to get back to a level whereby he can force someone out of this Arsenal team. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, where's he going to play or, or how much game time is he going to get? Arsenal are going to play a hell of a lot of games next season. And there's plenty of game time for everybody. And the stronger the squad, the better. The more united the group is, the better. I mean, I love that video um, that the Arsenal players uh, recorded in the... Um, it, was, it looked like they were in like a briefing room 
Um, and you could see some of the new faces in there as well. Kai Havertz was in there with the group and that was great to see. Um, but I mean, yeah, just like, let me share this with you guys. For those of you that are watching, if you're listening on audio, uh, bear with me, but I'm just going to show uh, the guys a video um, that the Arsenal Twitter account put out of like Smith Rowe and his, and his um, teammates like celebrating at the final whistle. Look at that. Look at what it means to him. I mean, they're all chuffed, but look at what it means to Emil Smith-Rowe. Like, when was the last time you saw Emil Smith-Rowe that animated? It would have been a long, long time ago because he's been on the peripheries. He's been on the sidelines of everything. And now he is back in and among the action. And he is back, um, he is back uh, ready to fight for a place in the team. Um, so that is obviously great to see for sure. Um, okay. That's the Emil Smith robot. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Declan Rice, everybody's favourite subject at the moment. And the reason I want to talk about this is because people are starting to lose their minds on social media about the fact that this hasn't been announced yet. I saw um, a video going around a couple of days ago. I think it was on Thursday of Declan Rice supposedly in Ibiza. Can't verify if that's true or not, um, but apparently he was in Ibiza. Uh, Nicole Holiday, who obviously works at Arsenal, um, is a good friend of the show, good friend as well. Uh, she put a post this morning on Instagram saying, maybe my eyes need checking, but I'm pretty sure I saw Declan Rice at the airport. So if that's true, that would suggest that they haven't completed the medical yet unless they went abroad and did it, which, you know, maybe they'd have done some of it, but I don't know, 100%. It's not like this is a time-sensitive deal. And, and they'd have been panicking about that. It's not like it was deadline day. So they had to send someone out to go meet the player abroad to get it done quickly. Um, so, yeah, she says that she saw Declan Rice in uh, in the airport, which means that maybe he's not even in the UK, which means that they probably haven't filmed announcement videos and club interviews and all the rest of it. That's fine. It's not an issue. Um, it's not an issue. I said that we probably wouldn't get an announcement until next week. I said that at the back end of last week because on Friday when we recorded, we heard that some medical tests were going on. We we, we seem to get confirmation or, or at least stronger reports that the Urian Timber one was ongoing. Not so much on the Declan Rice one. It was a bit quieter on that front. But I think we'll we'll get the announcements on both of those players next week. And and if Declan Rice is away, then fine. You know, he's on his holidays. He played international duty at the back end of the season, after the season had finished, I should say. And um, and so he's entitled to have his break. And, and I go back to the point I just made. This isn't a time-sensitive issue anymore. Arsenal have done this deal. They've signed Declan Rice from West Ham United. He's signed a contract. Well, maybe he's not physically signed it yet, but the contract is agreed. The transfer is agreed. The structure of the payments is agreed. Everything is in place for this to go through. So there is literally nothing to worry about on this. I know people want um, the announcement sooner rather than later. And I know people get agitated about these things, but guys, relax, chill out. It is, um, it is it's happening. It's just a matter of time. And as I say, with nobody else in the race, with this deal having been wrapped up and sealed, it's just got to be signed now and the club media duties uh, are coming next. So um, yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, and the same with Yuri and Timber, you know, no concerns about that deal, it's going through, it's done by all accounts. And we know that Urian Timber was in London at the back end of last week. He arrived on Thursday, um, supposedly had his medical tests on Friday. I'd imagine that the club announcement stuff is being worked on. And I actually think at the time of recording, which is 
just before midday on Sunday, the 9th of July, there's a chance that we get the Urian Timber announcement before we get the Declan Rice one. Actually, I think if I was going to gamble on which one was going to come first, I'd bet on the Timber one. Because from what I understand, he's been in London. I'm not 100% sure on this, but it seems like Declan Rice has been out of the country, which may have made that just that little bit more difficult to get done quicker. Um, so, yeah, that's the latest on those guys. When can we expect announcements next week? I'm not going to go as specific as a date uh, as a day because I don't know and I'd be lying. I'd be making it up. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's what I understand the situation uh, to be with regards to those two players. Uh, also, Kai Havertz, uh, of course, getting used to his uh, surroundings at Arsenal Football Club. There was uh, some uh, pretty cool photos taken of the German uh, of course, at Emirates Stadium over the weekend. These were posted uh, by the club yesterday. You'll see them here on the screen. Um, I think I got a pair of trousers like that, Kai. Pretty sure I wore them when I was on the Emirates pitch as well. Um, here are these photos. Um, there you go. Kai Havertz looking up. He's sitting there thinking, wow, this is what it's going to be like to play in front of an actual atmosphere, in front of actual fans. Hey. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so Kai Havertz, uh, loving life at Arsenal, it seems, and he's ready uh, to go. Um, speaking of the Arsenal and Chelsea connection, there have been some reports uh, doing the rounds this weekend with regards to following Balogun and the idea that Chelsea are interested in signing the US international striker from Arsenal Football Club. Now, I don't know this to be true, and I tried to find out a little bit more about this and basically got told that this is nothing. Um, so it's not one that I'm going big on. Um, again, I'm not saying that whoever is reporting this is wrong and I, I never want to discredit other people's work. That is not what I'm trying to do here. But to my understanding, to my knowledge, there there isn't anything in this Balogun to Chelsea chat. Um, if there was something in this, I'd expect Arsenal to demand absolute top, top dollar because we've paid top, top dollar to get Kai Havertz in from Stamford Bridge. So you know, if if they are interested and, and we're talking about Arsenal valuing Balogun at 50 million, then I don't think there's any world in which we should concede ground on that. Chelsea have the money. They've certainly made plenty of money this summer selling Mason Mount, uh, selling Kai Havertz, Mateo Kovacic is gone. They managed to ship some players off to the Saudi Pro League as well. So there's no shortage of cash at, cash at Chelsea. I know they needed to balance the books um, or they needed to get their ducks back in order with regards to financial fair play and all the rest of it. But there's no reason why we shouldn't demand top, top dollar if indeed Chelsea are interested in following Balogun. Although, as I say, I'm not sure that that is the case. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if that develops any further. I'm going to take your questions now uh, for the rest of the show. So start dropping them in. We're going to do another 10 or so minutes uh, on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. We're going to take a really, really short pause, uh, really, really short break, and then we'll be back. So start filling up the chat box with your thoughts and questions. Be back in a moment. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90-min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And uh, we've been talking... Arsenal's first pre-season friendly. We've been talking Emil Smith-Rowe being crowned the European champion. We've been talking Marquinhos, Balogun. Uh, we've also been discussing when we can expect the announcements for of Rice and Urian Timber. No need to panic on either of those is the 
uh, overall message on that one. Um, guys, get your questions in. I'll take a few of those um, before I sail off into the sunset. I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy um, this period right now where like it feels like we've got the majority of our business done um, and we're just kind of waiting for announcements and there isn't too many new stories floating about because this transfer window has been um, really, really hectic for me um, and I'm sure for you guys as well. Uh, but yeah, yesterday I just chilled out and had a barbecue with the family, which lots of you uh, commented on on Twitter. Um, it was so funny. It was so, so funny. Like the, the most common question I got was, how many people you're feeding? It was hilarious. Here's a, shall I show you? For those of you that don't have Twitter, this tweet, uh, I had to go with the caption of, um, where is it? Here we go. There we go. Cooking like Edu. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Oh, man, good fun. There's uh, the lovely wife as well helping me. Well, she wasn't helping me. She was just lurking around at that point, asking how long the food was going to be. And there we go. I have to mute that for copyright reasons. Anyway, there we go. Look at that. Chicken, bit of lamb. And there was a there was a round two as well. There was a round three as well. Look, that was round two. There you go. Proper Cypriot-style barbecue, that. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't believe how many messages I have from people saying, how many are you feeding? <laughs> Incredible. Um, okay. Let's, um, let's get back then, uh, to the chat box. Let's take your questions, your thoughts. That was a nice, uh, little filler while you guys are populating the chat box. Uh, let's see what we've got. Um, this is a good question. Harry, is the Aubameyang announcement Arsenal's best announcement video? I think it might be, you know, um, I think it might be. I, I really, really do. I, I remember that when he signed the new contract and all the rest of it, I thought that that was yeah, brilliantly done. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't argue against that. Um, will we get. Will we get something similar with Declan Rice? You'd hope so, wouldn't you, given what a big signing this is um, and, and how much it's kind of been sort of enjoyed so far by the fans although there has been that little bit of a roller coaster in terms of is it going to get done will it get done how long is it taking all the rest of it i think it is a really really big um really big deal and a really big signing so you'd hope that arsenal would would mirror that but i certainly agree with you matt um that the Aubameyang one is probably up there with the best announcement videos the way they did it as well they sort of teased it and made everybody tune in at a certain point all of that was amazing wasn't it um Brian says, who have you got in the English Grand Prix today, Harry? Honestly, mate, I don't have a clue. I don't know anything about Formula One. I, I don't like Formula One. Um, I tried to get into it in years gone by because one of my closest mates is a big F1 fan. Even went to the British Grand Prix with him once and I just just didn't do it for me, man. He just didn't do it for me. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't answer that because I really don't know. I don't know who the favourite is. I don't know anything about it. Um, uh, Damien Kelly says, where else would you like to see Arsenal strengthen? Um, in an ideal world, I'd like to see us bring in another midfield player. I know people are talking about Havertz coming in as one, Rice coming in as well. But with Xhaka gone and the possibility of Partey going, I think we desperately need another midfielder. Even if Partey stays, I think we need another midfielder as well. So, yeah, um, midfield for me. Um, assuming that we get the timber thing wrapped up, because I think that's all we needed really at the back. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's get another midfielder in if possible. I, I wouldn't mind another right winger as well. 
But I think given the options that we have, which I discussed earlier on, I think we could just about get away with not doing that one. It wouldn't take precedent over um, a midfield player for me. Uh, let's see what else we've got. CB says, uh, any leftovers for lunch today? There are there are some leftovers, yeah. Um, looking forward to uh, tucking into that a little bit later on. Uh, Matt says it looks like a hip-hop video. <laughs> um, Lewis says, not good for you to eat too much meat, Harry. Do you know what? I hadn't eaten meat for about four days before that um, in anticipation of what was to come. Badzi, Brow, uh, Badzi Bourbon, I should say, says, Beareth, Patino, Marquinhos, Aziz, Moller, Rekic, and Flores are all very promising players that had poor loan moves. Do the Arsenal, as a club, need to do better when placing our youngsters? I think it's really, really difficult um, placing players on loans because sometimes it's not even the club's fault. Like Sometimes you will speak to a manager of a, another club who is looking to take your player on on loan. And they might sell you this idea of what that player's role is going to entail. And you think, yeah, yeah actually, that's really well suited and, and would help them develop in the areas that we want them to develop in. But then it doesn't work out like that. And it's not the reality. So, you know, that things can change, not just at your football club, but at the football club that you're loaning people out. Sometimes the manager will be sacked and all of a sudden a new manager comes in with different ideas and all the rest of it. So I'm not saying that's the case all the time, but I think loan moves are difficult to get right. And um, and I think, you know, Arsenal have got some right in the past. They've got a lot wrong though as well. And yeah, they do need to do better as a general point. But my point, I guess, in sort of reaction to that or in defence of them is that it isn't always easy to get right. Um, Smart Cookie says, uh, wasn't that you playing the Buzuki, Harry? It wasn't. No, um, it wasn't. I'd have to dust off the uh, the cobwebs. Um, what else have we got? <laughs> Nevin says, um, have you heard anything about the Rice release videos? Rumours of the top boy, Deshane, being involved in it. I've seen those uh, rumours, but um, but yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, I'm going to take a couple of these kind of quick fire. Anthony says, believability of the Chuameni interest percentage, 20%. I reckon Arsenal like him, but the likelihood of it happening is very low. Uh, Stan the Man says, I think Timber was a bonus opportunist signing and there's a bigger one still to come. Could be. Um, I, I think it was an opportunist signing in that, obviously Arsenal would have identified him before and, and would have felt he was a good player and a good fit. But I think, Arsenal have taken advantage of the fact that some of the other clubs that were maybe interested in Timber in the past, including Man United, have been sleeping a little bit in this window so far and, and maybe haven't been able to push forward and do business because maybe they weren't as prepared. I know in United's case, they've got the whole ownership thing going on, which has probably hampered them in some way. But at that price, it's a really, really good deal, really, really smart piece of business. And I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, being done and wrapped up. Um, lots of questions about Arteta's formation, how he'll change that given the players coming in. It's really, really difficult to know. I think preseason, not so much the game that we played yesterday, obviously, and probably not even so much the Nuremberg game. But I think when we head out to the States, you'll start to get a feel for maybe what Arteta is planning and how he's looking at things going into the new season. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, we got this one. Uh, Harry, thoughts on Zinchenko uh, sitting in the eight role and Tierney getting more time at left back. Timber could invert from right back or centre back. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's an option, isn't it? I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily what Arteta is going to go with. That's not what I would predict right now. But I do think that it, it's another option, isn't it? Zinchenko did come in as a left back 
and has played there pretty much every game he's well it has played there every single game he's played for Arsenal but um I do think that there is that possibility that Mikel Arteta or, or maybe not possibility because that would suggest that Mikel Arteta will do that and I don't think he will but he's got that option which gives you um flexibility and gives you comfort in the knowledge that you can rotate effectively. Uh, Tom says, if we go for a right winger slash centre forward, who would you like to sign? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, a couple of years ago, or not even that, a couple of years ago, a year ago, I'd have loved us to go and get Rafinha. We couldn't get that done. Um, he wanted to go to Barcelona. The price was crazy, all the rest of it. I don't really know, to be honest. This one I need to think about. Um, I I've tried not to... I've tried not to get too carried away with like thinking about this player and that player and how good a fit he would be. And I've kind of wanted to be a little bit more reactive in this window because I think you can get caught up in this world of I want this player and I want that player. And, and then you end up being disappointed with the ones that you do get because they weren't necessarily the ones at the top of your list. So my mindset on transfers when it comes to Arsenal, because I trust Arteta and I trust Edu, has changed now. I don't I no longer look at our business and think. I no longer look at our business and think, no, I would have made a better decision than that because I've seen it work. And now because I've seen it work, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here and I'll make my assessment and my judgment on that business a little bit further down the line. I'll take this question uh, finally from the Italian Stallion who says, how well do you think we do in the UCL? Minimum requirement is we got to get through the group stage. Absolutely. But then I'd like to see Arsenal go on to the quarterfinals at minimum. I think we're good enough to go further. You know, the English clubs are so much stronger than the rest of Europe um, financially. So there's no excuse for not going really, really far now um, in that competition. I'm really buzzing about the, the prospect of, well, it's not a prospect anymore, the reality of Champions League football returning to Emirates Stadium. Can't wait to hear the anthem. Can't wait to see the hoardings with the Champions League logos and all the rest of it. Um, absolutely buzzing about it. Really, really am. But yeah. Quarterfinals would be what, where I expect us to get to. Obviously, that's draw dependent as well. But I'd like to see Arsenal challenge right until the latter stages. Anything less than that, I'll be disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, um, thank you guys so, so much for all your kind comments. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening in. If you're listening on audio, leave us a review. If you're tuned in via the audio platforms, leave us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube, likes are nowhere near where they need to be, guys. Come on, smash the like button. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new as we continue on our journey towards 30,000 YouTube subscribers. Wow, uh, it's crazy to think that we're even getting close to that, uh, given how this thing started. Thank you all so, so much. I'll see you all very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.